West Virginia football coach Neil Brown recently appeared on an episode of The Voice of College Football with Mark Rogers. And during that interview, Coach Brown made a few comments that really stuck out to me and made me think, maybe, just maybe, Neil Brown is not or has not been the problem with WVU football. Is that the case? Pull up a chair, sit back, relax, and let's talk about it. What is up, college sports fans, Big 12 fans, and fellow members of Mountaineer Nation? This is Coos, and welcome into another edition of Coos's Corner. Pull that chair up, and let me serve you up this shot of top-shelf college football content. Today, we are once again going to talk about West Virginia Mountaineer football. I know I've not done that enough lately. My last several videos have all been related to conference realignment, and there will be more of that to come. But I wanted to get something out there for my West Virginia fans that are longing for West Virginia Mountaineer content. And I'll be honest, I do really enjoy talking about my Mountaineers. Now, when listening to Coach Brown on Mark Rogers' show, there were three things he said really that stuck out. I'm going to link to the entire video in the description. But I wanted for this, for the sake of this video, I really wanted to focus on three things. Now, I'm going to play some clips for you, and then what I'll do is react to those clips after you hear them. Okay, so let's get started. So then when you take that experience and now you're going into your fifth season in West Virginia, what has this experience looked like to you in regards to what you hope to accomplish? And in looking back on four seasons, what you believe the, the progress is in the program versus some of the things that you you would like to see improve? Well, I think when you look at it, um, we just been we just been average, you know. We we haven't been um, poor by any means or bad, but we haven't been what I would say good either, um, or above that average. Just kind of been average. And I think when we took over a program in 2019, that um, in 2018 uh, they were they had a really talented roster roster that had either five or six draft picks. I don't have it right in front of me. Um, a team that climbed into the top ten in the country and then I think lost four of their last five games. And so we took over a team that was really, really young in 2019. Uh, we had some real holes. Uh, really had a deficiency on the offensive line, uh, which, which is one of the biggest factors in winning football games. And um, we didn't have much experience on defense. And so we went five in our first year, and, and and I would argue probably that was a better coaching job than maybe our last couple 10-win seasons we had at Troy. Um, thought we overachieved. We won a couple – we beat a couple top 25 teams down the stretch, played well in November. Um, and then we get into year two, and we're starting to kind of – hit the ground and, you know, we're making some strides in recruiting, um, started to build the culture. Um, the infrastructure was not, was not in place and that's not a knock on the pretty staff at all. It's just, you know, in 2012, West Virginia made the big jump to the, to the big 12 conference, leaving the big East and, and West Virginia had a ton of success in the big East and, and as an independent before that. And then it was the, Huge jump up in competition, and the infrastructure of the program just wasn't equal compared to some of the other teams that we're facing in our league. We okay, I want to talk about that for just a minute. Let's talk about 
first off, he talked about the offensive line and the youth on this football team, especially the offensive line. And he was accurate on that. I mean, I'm going to read you a list of names. This is the 2019 roster, football roster, that Neil Brown coached that he took over from Dana Holgerson. Now, these were players that had pretty much all been recruited by Dana at the time. Uh, but here's your offensive line on that 2019 team, okay, that he took over. Brandon Yates. A freshman. Now, Brandon's still on the team and has contributed, but he was a freshman. Colton McKivitz was a redshirt senior. Now, he was the one bright spot, and he ended up getting drafted in the NFL and is still playing in the NFL today. Eric Jostead, who I don't, I didn't even, had never even heard that name before until I looked this up, to be honest. He was a redshirt sophomore. Parker Moore was a true freshman. Michael Brown, a redshirt junior. Nick Malone, who was still on the team, was a freshman. Noah Drummond, redshirt freshman. Tyler Connolly, freshman. Zach Davis, redshirt junior. I don't remember him getting on the field a lot, if at all. Donovan Beaver, freshman. Bryson Mays, redshirt freshman. Blaine Scott, redshirt freshman. Tyler Thurmond, redshirt sophomore. Junior Uzebu, and I hope I said his name right, redshirt freshman. Kelby Wickline, redshirt senior. Josh Seals, redshirt junior. We remember Seals got injured during that 2019 season, had to set out most of the season before transferring. Uh, James Gomitter was a redshirt freshman at the time. Chase Barrett was a redshirt junior. And John Hughes was a sophomore. So that was your offensive line. Look at all those freshmen, redshirt freshmen, and sophomores on that roster. So Neil Brown was accurate when he said we had a very young offensive line. And then when you looked at the quarterback position, Will Greer had graduated. Jack Allison had transferred out, but, you know, he really hadn't shown a whole lot anyway as far as, you know, being capability of being a starter at the Power 5 level. I think he transferred to a smaller school and had some success. We had freshman Trey Lowe on the roster, and that was it. So Coach Brown had to go out and, and get two guys out of the portal, and Austin Kendall, who had been a backup at Oklahoma for three years, and Jarrett Daigie. And, you know, those guys played some had some good moments. They played some good games, but – you know, they didn't light the world on fire by any stretch of the imagination. So he was then an offensive line and quarterback, two of your most important positions on the field. Now, you can blame Dana's recruiting on that youth if you want to, especially on the offensive line. And I think that's fair to do that. You could say he, he relied way too much on the transfer portal and wasn't recruiting for the future. But Neil and staff chose to play with freshmen early on in their career, and, they, and they've openly said that. They wanted to build for the future, and they thought the best way to do that was to basically play those freshmen and get those guys some experience. Now, is it going to pan out this year? Maybe so. I don't know. We'll see. Now, he talked about the infrastructure not being there. And when I think infrastructure, the first thing that comes to my mind is the facilities. Yes, West Virginia has nice brand-new facilities now, which included a locker room upgrade, a player's lounge, and whatnot. But that did not happen until prior to the 2021 season. So Coach Brown has only been able to utilize that in recruiting for about two, I'll say two and a half recruiting classes. Most of the 2021 class it had probably already been committed by the time the facilities opened. And then, so he really wasn't able to take full advantage of it that year. And then in the 2022 and 2023 cycles, he has been able to. Now let's see if it results in wins. Okay. Now, but the other thing you could say, you could look back at Dana's tenure and say, wait a minute. Dana Holerson didn't have those nice new facilities. 
he had the old facilities. He was competing against in the Big 12 with teams with better facilities, and he was still able to win at least seven games a year. So I don't think you can totally, totally let Neil off the hook with that one. I think he deserves some blame there because Dana was able to do it. He should have been able to do it, right? At least seven wins. And even that is really not meeting our expectations as a fan base. We'd like to see at least eight to nine in my – at least from my perspective. Now let's look at the next next part of the clip here. Um, and then going to 21 and we start off behind – we go two and four and lose a couple close games and then we win uh, four of our next six and, again, a couple, couple ranked wins. But then play really poorly in a bowl game against Minnesota. And Minnesota was just better at us in the top. And that was in December of 21. And, and we made some, some overreactions uh, with some staff deals and, and just underperformed in 22. You know, we go five and seven. Thought we had a better roster than that. Um, probably the most disappointing season I've ever had as a head coach. Uh, big, big statement there. Did you hear what he said? Made some overreactions on some staff. Thing, staffing things. Now, I'm paraphrasing there, obviously, but going into 2021. Now, do you remember what happened going into the 2021 season? That is the season when Jared, Jared Parker was basically demoted from offensive coordinator to just a wide receivers coach. He was doing both. Now, we all know he wasn't calling the plays full-time anyway. Neil was doing that for the most part with Jared's help. But the wide receivers did like Jared Parker as a wide receivers coach. He was very highly respected amongst the players, at least from what I could understand and what I've heard, and you know, basically from hearing player, player interviews and whatnot. And they ended up demoting him, bringing in Graham Harrell, hiring him as offensive coordinator, where Parker ends up leaving to take the tight end coach job at Notre Dame. And, oh, by the way, Parker has now been promoted to offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. So maybe he's not such a bad coach. You know, that obviously time will tell. But Graham Harrell was brought in as OC. Tony Washington was hired to replace Parker at wide receivers coach. Now, based on Neil's comments and based on the way the 2021 season ended with Neil basically taking over the play, taking the play calling duties away from Graham Harrell, it kind of gives you that feeling like maybe Neil Brown was not really on board with bringing Graham Harrell in in the first place. Maybe that was all a Shane Lyons decision. And we all know, you know, one of the reasons JT Daniels came to West Virginia was because of the Graham Harrell connection. So had we not gotten Graham Harrell and JT Daniels, how would things have been different? Would would Garrett Green have gotten the start for West Virginia last year instead of JT Daniels? And how would the season have went? Would it have went any differently? I don't know. I'm not saying Garrett Green was ready. Maybe he was. I don't know. I do know when he stepped up late in the year for JT Daniels, he played really well. Now, or could it have mean would it have given Neil an opportunity to go out and get a different quarterback in the portal that might have played better than what JT Daniels did down the stretch? That's another option. So it makes me feel like Shane Lyons, you know, some of the rumors out there with the Shane Lyons, you know, may have been interfering too much. That's a rumor I heard. It's just a rumor now. I'm not saying it's the gospel, but maybe that's true. Maybe he was interfering too much. And now, going into 2023, Shane Lyons is gone. Ren Baker has come in. Neil Brown now has the staff he wants. He has 
his guy's offensive coordinator. He's got his guy back at quarterbacks coach and Sean Reagan. He's got defensive coordinator. He's got his guys across the board. Everybody he wants on the staff, at least from my understanding, is now coaching. Can they turn that into wins and take advantage of that? We will see. Now, here's here's the next clip. Mention likeness uh, went legal, NCAA legal, and was recognized in West Virginia. We were really slow to react, slower to react than some. And then during that off season of 2021 and 22, we, we lost a number of players. And we didn't have a collective in place. Uh, you know, our support for NIL um, systematically was pretty good. But from a financial standpoint, and the only standpoint that really matters in college athletics now is we didn't have um, ways or processes in place for our guys to really earn money. And, and we lost like six defensive starters um, during that. And that really hurt us. We go from being a, a top 10 defense in, in 20 and a top 25 to top 30 defense in most categories in 21 to, to really falling off the map defensively. Another interesting comment there, this one regarding NIL. And this is another comment that makes me think Shane Lyons could have potentially been holding not only Neil Brown back, but the entire athletic department. Now, maybe West Virginia was a bit too late getting an NL collective off the ground. That could be true. But they were the 16th or 17th team, or collect Country Rose Trust was the 16th or 17th collective started in college athletics. So it's, they weren't that far behind, but they were behind nonetheless. And they probably were far enough behind that it caused them to lose some guys. I don't, I don't doubt that one bit. But there were programs later to the party than West Virginia that didn't lose as many guys as West Virginia did later to the party when it comes to NL collectives. So I don't think it's totally fair for Neil to blame all of that on NIL because, like I said, other programs are still able to get through that all season without losing as many guys as West Virginia did, even without strong NIL collectives at that time because NIL was still fairly new or it was still new and collectives were still new. So there were a lot of teams around the country that didn't have good NL collectives yet, but yet he still lost, what was it, 20-some players to the portal? I just don't think he can lay that all at the feet of not having NIL. I don't know that that's totally fair. Now, there were reports and rumors that Lions was not embracing NIL the way he should have. And even after the collective was started, after Country Rose Trust was started, they still weren't able to fundraise at a rapid rate and a high rate like they feel like they could, should have or could have been because Lions was not willing to let employees, staff, coaches, and whatnot participate in the fundraising, which, according to everything I've read, is legal. And he just didn't want to seem to let them do that. He, he wanted them to – he didn't want to – they wanted to step right up to the line, you know, meaning the staff wanted to step right up to the line of what was legal with NIL. And he didn't even want to come close to the line, you know, because he was afraid. I guess he was afraid if you stepped up too close to the line, then you may step over it. I, I'm assuming that was his thinking. But in today's world, if you're not up to the line, you're getting left behind by everybody else. And I think that could have been part of the issue. But I don't think it's all of it. So I don't think it's 100% fair to blame it all on Shane Lyons. But I do think, I do think some of the blame should be laid at the feet of Shane Lyons and his in unwillingness and or inability to embrace NIL and West Virginia's role in that. So let me know in the comments section, Kuz's Corner family, do you think Neil Brown 
has done a bad job at West Virginia, and some of these things he's saying could be used, passed off somewhat as excuses? Or do you think his hands have been tied behind his back ever since he got on campus in Morgantown? Here are your thoughts, my personal opinion. Yes, these things have played a role and a factor, but other teams around the country have been able to win games. I mean, even look around the Big 12, you look at Kansas, you look at Kansas State, you look at a lot of these different teams who have had coaches that have either been at their schools as long or even shorter amount of time than what Neil Brown has been at West Virginia. They've still been able to find ways to win despite the challenges of COVID, despite the challenges of NIL and the transfer portal. So I don't think it's fair to lay all this at the feet of Shane Lyons. I think Neil Brown does, is responsible uh, to a large degree in the lack of success West Virginia football has had. Now, is 2023 the year they finally turn this thing around and everything finally falls into place with facilities, with NIL Collective, with an experienced coaching staff and continuity on that staff and the recruiting that they've been able to do? Does it all finally fall into place in 2023? We will find out soon enough. Guys, if you want to uh, support me financially, there's a lot of ways to do it. Go check out my merch store. Get yourself a Kuzis Corner hoodie, a Kuzis Corner tank top, a Kuzis Corner t-shirt. You can get a coffee mug. I've got a lot of different other designs as well. I've got the West Virginia JD design, the West Virginia versus the world design. The link in my description box. With that being said, guys, I really appreciate you tuning in to this episode of Kuzis Corner. And until the next one, Q Country Roads. Uh-huh.